I'm kind of amped up because I feel like I haven't really worshipped. I know I know we were in our front yard. I know we've worshipped the last couple weeks, but it's kind of like you got to kind of get into it, right? You kind of got to kind of like, ah, you got to get over that hump. And I feel like today, like the chains were off, we're broke free, and uh, we worshiped the Lord for the first time, I feel like, in six months, right? Come on. That's it. That's what we were going for. God, give us your presence. Show us your glory. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm wrecked by that. So, um, I have these awesome people that are going to read for me. So come on up, uh, David. So here's, here's the thing. We're going to start a new series in the book of Titus. And if you've been with our church long, you know that when, when I can start a book and read the whole book, you know, you can't do that with Hebrews. That ain't going to work, right? Leviticus, nah, I'm not preaching through that right now. All right? <laughs> so, but, but, you know, Titus is short. So get the word of God out, turn it to Titus. And we're going to read the whole book. we got three chapters. We have three readers. And thanks for using your guys' gifts. I appreciate it. And uh, follow along because this is the word of God. And this is how they would have read it. This is how Titus would have read it. This is how the church in Crete would have read it. They would have read it all together. And then we're going to break it down over the next several weeks. All right, go ahead. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word, through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior, to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you, if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered, or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Qualities of a sound church. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men may be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, 
and the word of God may be, and the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned. The one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, um, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once, then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Amen. Um, when we can, we like to wor read the Word of God. Uh, Timothy, which is a, a book that was written about the same time, First Timothy, uh, says that, actually. It says, hey, don't neglect to read the Scriptures together. And so, um, hopefully you got the whole story now. Uh, two things there at the end that really get me are, do your best. He says it twice, do your best. Just do your best. Like in your walk with the Lord this week, just do your best. That's all he's asking. Just do your best. And then that we may learn to devote ourselves to good works. And that's what the book, the, the key word in the book is good works, right? And uh, we're going to get after that over the next seven weeks, uh, Lord willing. I always say Lord willing because it could be longer, it could be shorter, but like 
Over the next seven weeks, we're going to get after this passage of Scripture called Titus. So, blueprint, okay, instructions for building the church. Now, let me just set up the series, because every time we kind of rip the Bible open, we kind of need to set things up. So, first, let me set up the series with this. Uh, Have you ever thought about building your dream home? I see a lot of young people shaking their head, all right? I'm just going to... That's cool. I never thought about building a home until I was much older. But now I kind of am like, man, now I know what I want. I don't want a split level, right? I want a, I want a you know, two-story. And then, you know, I don't want, you know, you, you, know, you got all these kind of like things you want. And uh, my wife and I talk about that a lot. We've been in several different houses. And it's like, if you could just build this, wouldn't it be cool? Now, we have a, a we're blessed to have the house we have. We're not building a house. That's great. But, like, if you've ever thought about it, that's cool. Have you written it down? Have you made plans? See, see, that's kind of where we turn the corner, right? When it just isn't a thought, but when it's, like, written down, uh, when you make some plans, right? When you write it out and you're like, okay, now it's co- becoming a reality. You're starting to feel like, hold on, I believe this dream, this desire, this pursuit I have could become a reality, Now, here's what you got to know. What about your life? Do you have a dream life? Maybe a dream job? You ever think about that? What you're going to do? Well, luckily the Bible has something to say about your dream life, right? The Bible is a book that you can go to. It's the manual that you have to help you with your dream life so you can live in godliness. And then, what about this? Do you have any aspirations, any dreams for your church? Because that's kind of where we're getting to. Blueprint, instructions for building the church. See, the book of Titus is a blueprint for the church that God dreams about, that God desires. He's like, hey, 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 like this, not like this. Here's the things that I want you to pursue. Here's the things that I want you to do. So Titus, you know, he receives this letter from Paul. Paul's writing it down by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, okay, here I go. Like, God's the architect. Jesus Christ, because it's expensive to build right now, isn't it? Dorkum, you know, right? He's building the house right now, so this is hard. So it's expensive to build. So here's the, here's the good news. Anybody want some good news at church today? I do. All right. Jesus already paid the down payment. That's the cool part, right? So you have the designer, the architect, God, the Father. You have Jesus. He already paid the down po- d- deposit, and then, and it's going to come. You know, he's going to finish his work, right? You know that. And then you have the Holy Spirit who's, like, giving all these resources. Did you see the team up here today? I was like, and we can't expect that every week. We're a small church. We're trying to figure it out. But like, I'm so blessed by people that would come here at 7 o'clock, get things set up, work through all the troubles of this works, that doesn't, and it's awesome. Yeah, you can praise the Lord. I mean, we want to give honor to whom honor is due. Like, it just, it, their preparation, their three hours, their time at home studying and playing and all this stuff, like I heard my son playing, like, you know, at home, like, that got us amped up, that got us ready, 
And I'm so grateful for the resources, the people, the people that read scripture, the people that greeted you at the door, the people that will take down afterwards. I'm so grateful for the resources, the people, and the talents that the Holy Spirit provides. So what should we be doing? I mean, that's the question, right? Well, we got to press into them. we got to press into the plans. we got to press into Titus, all right? And let's pursue some things. So I'm going to give you seven things to pursue over the next seven weeks. But today, I want you to pursue godliness. So you could just write that down, pursue godliness. Now, when you open a book, you got to at least give people like a, like a barometer or like a, a heading. Um, I think this way is north. All right, so we got to give a heading. Does it, how many people knew that the way it was north? No clue. Yeah, some people get it and some people don't. Some people are like, where are we? Uh, I don't know which way is north. That way is north, all right? Somewhere in there. I'm not, I'm not exact on it, but that way. All right, so you got to have a, like a bearing. So here's the thing. Titus is a conduct manual. This is a manual for how we conduct ourselves in the local church. This is instructions for building up the local church in love. The theme of the book is basically belief determines behavior. It's faith and practice. This is what I believe, therefore this is what I do. That's what the book's theme is. The author is Paul. You figured that out if you read the first word, Paul. Okay. The date is A.D. 62 to 63. I mean, I wasn't there. But there's a lot of scholars that have studied this out. Um, after Paul's first imprisonment, sometime after that, 62 to 63, written around the same time as 1 Timothy. I'm going to encourage you, if you don't have a plan of reading the scriptures, to read 1 Timothy this week or ongoing. So you kind of get a feel for what Paul's saying to a different friend, okay, to a different fellow co-laborer. And he says, this is to Titus. Now, Titus is mentioned 13 times in the scripture. That's quite a few. I mean, my name's mentioned once, but it wasn't me, right? And uh, 13 times. He's a Greek believer. Paul won to Christ. He traveled with Paul. He was a protege of Paul, a disciple that Paul made. And uh, so you can see him in 2 Corinthians a ton, and you can see him in Galatians 2, 1 and 3, and then he just gets a quick mention in 2 Timothy uh, 4.10. So, not an axe though. That kind of is, why not? He had to be traveling with Paul. Why doesn't Luke ever say, hey, and Titus? I don't know. Is this kind of interesting? Yeah, it's always fun to think about things. Crete. Crete is the island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea where the people were, Cretans. And it's uh, 156 miles wide. And between 7 and 35 miles long. Okay? 135. Did I say that right? 156. Sorry, 156. And between 7 miles and 35. So it's not big. It's not big. He calls them evil people. He calls them lazy gluttons. Name calling in church. Sometimes it's good to get called out 
And other times, like he says at the back, like, hey, don't let anybody stir up division. So you've got to kind of know, when is it time to, like, rebuke, and when is it time to receive? And I think as we study this, it's going to be helpful to kind of figure that out. When is it time to rebuke? When is it time to receive? The tone, well, it's businesslike, it's authoritative, it's direct and urgent, but it also has a lot of grace and godliness. All right? Let me pray as we enter into this book. Father God, I pray that you would illuminate our hearts, that you would open us wide up to receive what you already have planned in Jesus' name. People have come to be fed from your word. Now, Lord, they've been feeding themselves every morning in the secret place, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. They've been feeding themselves, or they will feed themselves, because they know they should. But this, let this be an extra, an additional information, additional knowledge or word from you that will course correct them, that will point them in the right direction, that will examine who they are and if they add up. And God, we don't add up. Let's just say it now. Father, we do not add up to your law, to your glory. But because of Jesus Christ and his righteousness, we have been made new. It's not to us, it's not in us, but it's in Christ. And it's by the power of the precious Holy Spirit that you have sent to dwell in us to be our senior partner, someone we follow daily, and we pray that this will set in, take root, and change us. Do all that today in the next 20 minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. It's going to take more than 20 minutes, but do all that. Okay, so here it is. Um, pursue godliness. Now, I want to define them for you. Pursue, to strive, to gain, to proceed in accordance with, to carry on or continue to follow, literally to practice, right? So you're going to have to do the things we're talking about this week as I preach, okay? You're going to have to pursue this. You're going to have to press in this week. Godliness. Well, Christ-likeness is a great word for it but to be devoted to the things of God. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification in you. That's godliness. So to be devoted to the things of God. We want to be godly, like Jesus. All right, now, pursue godliness. So let me read the first four verses. I know we've already read it, but let me just read it for you so you're back into the word. Okay, Paul, a servant, literally a slave. There's three different words for servant in the Greek. It's literally the slave, the, the lowest of lowest of lows, right? I hope nobody's a garbage truck driver here. I, that's what I thought of, okay? It's like the garbage truck driver, right? The guy that, that's picking up our trash. It's a thankless job. When's the last time you thanked your garbage truck driver? Never, right? You thank the mailman. Hey, thanks a lot for bringing that. You never, ever thank your trash guy. Surprise him this week. Surprise him this week. Be like, hey man, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for coming. He'd be like, what? Maybe he'll ask you about why you're nuts. And then you could tell him about Jesus. All right, so a servant, a slave of God. The only time this is ever used in scripture. He says I'm a slave to Jesus Christ a ton of times. But this is the only time he says slave of God. And an apostle, a messenger of Jesus Christ. 
for the sake of the faith. The faith. A lot of times you think, well, that's my belief. Okay, that's faith. But the faith is referenced 25 times in Scripture. The faith refers to the doctrine, the sound teaching, what we believe in regards to God, Jesus. The faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. Do you know the truth? Well, you're learning the truth today, and you're going to take the truth with you. You get to carry your Bible out of here and take it with you. That's, that's astounding. Which accords with godliness? Now, you haven't underlined anything yet, right? you got to underline this word. This is what the message is about. Pursue godliness. Underline the word godliness. Which accords with godliness. This, this sound doctrine, this truth that you now know about, it accords with godliness. That's what's going to help you be godly. That equals godliness. Knowing and doing that equals godliness. In hope of eternal life. Don't we all hope for that? Yes. It's coming. Which God who never lies. Now have you ever doubted your salvation? Yeah? Okay. This, God doesn't lie. When he says he sent Jesus Christ to die for you, he did. When he says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, you will be saved. He meant it. And he doesn't lie. So whenever Satan comes calling, he's like, yeah, I don't know if you're saved, man. You just told that guy off. Yeah, that wasn't my best moment. But Jesus isn't leaving. He's going to try to clean that up so it doesn't happen again. But he isn't leaving. Okay, God who never lies promised before the ages began. Before this all was planted, before this all was created, before America was a country... Before the world knew it was round, before God spoke, and it was, before all of that, God had a plan to save you, and God had a plan to sanctify you, that you might pursue godliness. And at the proper time, manifested in his word, through the preaching, the proclamation, what I'm doing now with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. Jesus told Paul to preach, and Paul wouldn't shut up. They told him to shut up, and he's like, nope. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm going to keep talking. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, I love how he brings it down. Because Paul could just be all high and mighty, and he's like, no, 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 hey, listen. This is a common thing we have together. It's Jesus. I'm not better than you. I'm one of us. Keep that in mind. I feel that way as I'm up here. I'm like, man, some of you guys should get up here. What, what am I doing up here? Well, it's a common faith. I went to school, that's great, but it's a common faith. Nobody's bigger or badder than anybody else. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. All right, now here's the point. So, you're like, you just glossed over that. I know, I should stop. I'm in a hurry now. Grace and peace. Grace. 
can we all put the umbrella of grace up right now? I'm not going to preach perfectly. I'm going to try to get out of the way so the Holy Spirit can speak through me. But I'm not going to preach perfectly. All right? So you guys that are watching online right now, okay, taking notes. Oh, what? He, oh, he shouldn't have said that. He did, what, why'd he do that? Like, umbrella of grace is up, okay, right now. Umbrella of grace. And peace. We can all be at peace right now. I know we live in a world of turmoil. This is a safe place. These walls, in this place, the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ on us. We can walk back out to that place. The world is a mess. But we're the church as we gather here. We're the living stones as we gather here. And there should be peace. And if there's not, why not? And let's deal with it. Because we are the church. We love Jesus. All right. Grace and peace from God the Father. Now, I just said it like it was from me. I tried to give it to you. But do you know, realize who that grace and peace is from? From the Father and from Christ Jesus, our Savior. All right. Just, that'll blow your mind right there. Okay, here we go. Pursue godliness. So how do I know if I'm godly or not? That's the question I want to answer today. And I want you to check out what Paul says in his intro to Titus. Check it out right here. I am godly when, and then I'm going to answer that. I am godly when, verse 1, my identity is found in God's Son, Christ Jesus. How many of you had the opportunity to be here last Sunday when Jordan Anderson preached? Raise your hand really high so I know. Okay, great. Thanks for being here. I mean, I felt like Jordan gave me a new identity last week. He, like, took my old identity, which was all a mess, and he's like, no, 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 your identity is found in Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, uh, 3, 1 through 4. <laughs> I was buried with Christ, right? I was dead. But now I'm made alive in Christ. And I have a new identity. I am not my own. I was bought with a price. Galatians 2.20, if you've memorized that, is a great verse as well. You could just write that down go look at it. It could be a good memory verse for you if you're struggling with your identity in Christ. My identity is found in God's Son, Jesus Christ. Paul could have said, I am an amazing orator. But he didn't. He could have said, I am a brilliant scholar, but he didn't. He could have said, I am one of the best leaders I know, but he didn't. He could have said, I'm a world traveler, and he was. But what did he say? He right-sized himself before God, that's godliness. And he said, I am a slave of God, I am a humble messenger of Jesus Christ. That's who I am. That's how Paul describes himself. How should I describe myself? I am the lowest of low. I am a slave of God our Father. I am a messenger of Jesus Christ. My identity is found in God's Son, Jesus Christ. I am godly when my identity is found in God's Son, Jesus Christ. 
I don't know who needs to hear this today, but I wrote it down because God was saying it to me. Maybe I need to hear it today. You're not your best performance, and you're not your worst moment. Right? I think a lot of us feel like we are that, and we're trying really hard. We're kind of on this, like, Christian hamster wheel. And it's like, if I just run harder, and it's exhausting, you will burn out. It will not work. I've done it. I've seen others do it. Please stop. Please rest in Christ. Your life is hidden in Jesus Christ. You have died to yourself. Have you been baptized? That's the picture, isn't it? I mean, we've baptized so many people right here. And it's like, you are buried with Christ. You're dead. And you are brought back to life in Christ. Alive and new in a spiritual kingdom. It's not physical anymore after that. Once you've met Christ, once you've identified that you've met Christ in the waters of baptism, you're like, things are different now. I am different. My identity is found in Jesus Christ. Okay, then this. I am godly when my theology is centered on God's word, the Bible. I am godly when my theology is centered on God's word, the Bible. So, kids, you're probably like, what in the world's theology? Who's thinking that? Okay, a couple of adults raised their hands. That's great. Theology, theo, God, ology, study of. Okay, so theology is basically the study of God, right? We're just like studying God. We're like, and, and, and you're like, how do I do that? How do I do theology? You study this. This is a book written about God. God wrote it about himself. It's his love letter to you. And so you study it. So my theology is centered in or on God's word, the Bible. So that word, the faith, again, used 25 times. Faith is used 226 times in the New Testament. But the faith is used 25. Let me give you a couple of them just so you get it. Acts 6, 7. A great many priests were obedient to the faith, okay, to the doctrine, to the system of belief. Acts 16, 5, so the churches were strengthened in the faith. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself to see if you are in the faith, right? If you're in the doctrine, the sound doctrine. Jude 1, 3. Rarely quoted. To contend earnestly for the faith, right? The doctrine. So, this is the body of truth contained in the Word of God, God's truth, sound doctrine, which accords with godliness. Again, what's written in Titus, what's written in the Bible, equals godliness. If we practice it, if we believe it and behave it, it works out well. So much else I could say here, but they just I've already told you to go to 1 Timothy. When you get to a couple, you just every time you go to get, see godliness in 1 Timothy, just circle it in your Bible. You're going to see it several times in six chapters. Just godliness, godliness. And you're like, well, what does it mean? Okay, well, just keep reading and keep, keep exploring because it just, the Bible just explains itself. Basically, what I'm asking you to do is study God's word. 
and to study God through his word. Don't forget to do that. We pass out these Bible reading plans all the time. I keep mine in the front of my Bible. Um, if you don't have one, I'd love to get you one. But, you know, I, could we just be proactive rather than giving you a guilt trip this week and being like, hey, are you reading and do you have one of these? It's like, January 1st is coming up. I know we all make like New Year's resolutions, right? And January 1st is coming up. Would you read the Bible? Would you think about it? Just, just consider it, right? January 1st is coming up. Maybe I'll read the New Testament next year. That'd be cool. I'd read the whole thing. You could do it in 285 days if you uh, read one chapter a day. All right, keep moving. How do I know if I'm godly or not? I am godly when my identity is found in Jesus Christ, my theology is centered in the scriptures, and, number three, I am godly when my responsibility is to preach God's love, the cross. My responsibility is to preach God's love, the cross. So, let me keep reading here. The faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth all point to which accords with godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Now, if you don't want to read the Bible after you know God doesn't lie and he wrote this book for you, like, I don't know how to help. Okay, verse 3. And at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching. Do you see it there? He manifested his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Now here's the point. I have a responsibility, you have a responsibility to preach, to herald, to proclaim. If I change the word to proclaim or herald, you get it, don't you? When I say preach, you're like, oh, it's right here. This is it. No. That's not it. It's not about a pulpit and a guy pounding it. It's not about a guy with a microphone. It's about believers in Jesus Christ proclaiming, heralding the love of God. And sometimes you have to use words. Some of you guys will get that later. All right. My responsibility is to preach, i.e. model, and sometimes use words. I mean, the word here means preach. Like, Lift up your voice! That's what it means. So I think a lot of Christians are kind of hiding right now. I'm hiding. I won't go on Facebook. I won't post anything because I'm like, I don't need to get pounded like a nail right now. Do you want to get pounded like a nail right now? No, so I'll just keep my mouth shut. All right, well, I think that's probably good with controversial issues like, oh, I can't even say it because it's going to be controversial. I'm going to stop myself right there. I've learned something in the last five months. That I'm going to stop right there. All right, so, but here's what I will say. You can share the love of Jesus. You can share the love of Jesus. You can be outspoken with that. And sure, you still might get pounded with a nail, but if it's the love of Jesus and you have a loving heart, it's okay. The Bible says you can suffer. Jesus did. All right. I am godly when my responsibility is to preach God's love, the cross. So here's the thing. And just in case you're like, I don't, I don't think it's my responsibility. I think it's your responsibility, Steve. You're a preacher. Okay, I'm going to put two passages on the scripture. One is the great commission from Jesus. One is the great commandment from Jesus. And they are to you, not just me. Did you hear that online? 
there to you, not just to me. All right? So that's a, that's a really important thing. Kids, you got that? Like, this isn't Pastor Steve gets the yap, yap, yap. He's like, can he y- stop yapping now, Mom? I want to go home. I'm hungry. Right? Like, this is every believer in Jesus Christ has a responsibility to do these things. So here it is. Do we got it? There it is. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I missed a few ofs there. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold. That means listen. I am with you always to the end of the age. Until I come back, I'm with you. So you're going out to proclaim. It's your responsibility. You're going to go proclaim the love of God, the cross of Jesus Christ, that he sent his son to die for everyone. That's loving. We have a hero, a rescuer, a life preserver. Sent to rescue us. That's a loving thing to tell people. Some people are like, I don't need to be rescued. I didn't do anything wrong. They'll get it one day. Don't beat them up. They don't get it yet. Don't beat them up, but they'll get it one day. Love them. Love them. Okay, and then Matthew 22, 37 through 39. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You put those two things together... Go with God this week with the message of love. That God loves you and therefore you can love others. And that God loves everyone you come in contact with. You could tell them about that in a loving way and see what happens. That's when you know you're godly. When my responsibility is to preach God's love, the cross. Okay, now this. Last thing. My ministry... I'm godly when my ministry, because you all have a ministry, my ministry is to reach God's people, i.e. make disciples. My ministry is to reach God's people to make disciples. So here it is. You see it there. 2 Titus, my true child in a common faith. My true child. What is he saying? I gave birth to you spiritually. I shared the gospel with you. I did my responsibility. I preached the cross of Jesus Christ. And you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And now, I am discipling you. I am teaching you the word of God. I am telling you of the love of God. I am helping you along in this common faith we have together, Paul says to Titus. And then, not only that, but in the rest of the book, he's like, Hey, here's why I left you. So you can do that with other people. Not only did I do that for you, not only am I doing that right now for you, but in your small group, you do that with other people. And at your church or at your uh, job, you can do that with other believers. And if there's someone in here that's not in small group, you can invite them to a discipleship relationship in your small group. That's what we're called to do. That is our ministry, to reach God's people to make disciples. So here it is. He says, to Titus, my disciple, I led you to Jesus. 
I have an identity in Jesus, and so do you. I taught you the word, theology. Jesus and I gave you the responsibility to proclaim the love of Christ. And now, fulfill your ministry to make disciples in Crete. That's what he's saying in the first four verses. Right there. And if we take that, and we apply it to our lives versus go look at Titus and go, yeah, Titus, go ahead. Do that up. Good boy. Slap him on the ear. Send him in the game. Titus, you got it. No. I am a disciple of Paul. Because he follows Jesus. I am a disciple of Titus because he follows Jesus. And above that, I am a disciple of Jesus because he shows us how to be godly like he was. That is what we got to do, church. We need to pursue godliness. And this is how we can gauge whether we're doing it or not. Let's pursue godliness and let's help others pursue godliness. So maybe I could ask you this question just to end that point. Who has discipled you? Could you bring them back to mind? Maybe write them a thank you this week. Thanks for discipling me. And if no one's discipling you right now, maybe you find somebody that can open and, and rightly divide the word with you. But you know what? The main discipler in my life and the main discipler in your life is the Holy Spirit. As you seek the Lord in the quiet place, in the secret place, I shouldn't call it quiet. It's not quiet anymore for me. In the secret place, the Holy Spirit will disciple you. He will teach you. Just, just love that. that. I just said that right there. Just, He will teach you. All right. I think I've said everything. Oh, here it is. Who have you discipled or who are you discipling right now? I just think those are good questions for that fourth point. Who's discipled me? Be grateful. Who am I discipling? Because that's my ministry. Right? So that's what will push you. That's what will prod you. That's what will make you pursue godliness. Is the fact that you have to have something afresh from the Holy Spirit each day. To share with other people. Remember two weeks ago I said this. Our church will only go as far as your personal time. As your time with the Lord in the secret place. Because that's overflowing into the gathering place and into the public place. That is the theology of place. And so I'm preaching it to you again and every week here on out. Get into the secret place this week and pursue godliness. The Holy Spirit will lead you. Let's pray. Father God, thanks for giving us an opportunity to meet. Thank you for John Marshall High School and the fact that we can meet here Thank you for the principal here. I pray a blessing over Eric's life. Thank you for the janitors who pick up after us and clean it and make sure we're, we're okay. Thank you, Lord, for, honestly, the administration and, and the fact that they'll even put their neck out to let us meet in a school because they could easily say no. Thank you for the money that these people give so we can meet here in a warm place. And hear about God 
Let us not take that for granted. Let us practice what we have preached today. God, start with me. I draw a circle around myself. May today and every day this week be a pursuit of godliness. I pray it in Jesus' name. And God, may we look. May we see. May we look and may we see the hope of eternal life. Let that be real to us, this hope of eternal life. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.